Well, this is part two of a sermon I started last week. We're talking about David's three anointings. There were three times David was anointed by the Lord. Last week, we talked about the first anointing. Today, we'll talk about the second and the third anointing. And this is what I'm hoping to accomplish. I want David to be a metaphor for your calling and for your anointing and for the things God wants you to do. And as we'll, we'll look at some, the different times David was anointed by the Lord, and it'll be a parallel of how God's working within us. So the anointing, that seems like a really complicated kind of a word that when we hear, uh, it may even produce different types of definitions, or we may think of different types of experience, but biblically, it's a real simple thing. The anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the anointing is. And so we are anointed because we carry the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit's power within us. But there are seasons and times and occasions and assignments. And there's times when God places his anointing on us. And he says, I've anointed this woman or this man for this task. And, and you're in that anointing. And, and we see from David's life, and we'll see the parallel from Jesus's life as we read the gospel in our devotional times, that that there is certain times God will open seasons and close seasons, and he gives us exactly what we need in that season for that time. And sometimes he delays his work for our development. Isn't that interesting? God delays what he's doing because he wants to do something in us before he does something for us. We're always wanting God to do something for us, and God said, I'm not ready to do something for you yet because I'm still trying to do something in you right now. Outward fruit is much more appealing to us than inward cultivation. And God is cultivating our character. He's cultivating who we are. And he's never done working on us. Believe me, God's been working on me this week. He's been, uh, he's been showing me stuff I need to change about me. He's been showing me stuff I need to repent of. He's been showing me things that I need to change. He's never quite done working on us. So what happened was this. is We learned last week, Samuel anointed David and no one else knew except David's family. And as soon as David was anointed, Samuel sent him back to the shepherd's field. So David found out this incredible information. I'm going to be the king. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be, I'm going to be chosen of God and set in place for this very, very special task. And as soon as he learned that, he went back to doing what he had always done. A lot of times we do that. We, we get a word from the Lord. We get an idea. We have an assignment. We see potential. We see where we can go. And we're like, Lord, I want that now. And the Lord says, keep doing what you've already been doing. I'm not ready for you yet. Oh, isn't that irritating? Come on, let's be honest. It can be irritating, but I'm showing you, I, I want you to see from scripture, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when the Lord cultivates. It's a good thing when the Lord seasons. It's a good thing when the Lord deepens. It's a good thing when the Lord refines. It's a good thing when the Lord just kind of cooks it until it's fully ready and gets us ready for what he had. So when Saul died, it seemed like, hey, this is easy. David's like, I've been anointed. Now I become king. But Saul had a son who ascended to the throne, and his cousin Abner was in charge of the army. So much like today, whoever controls the military controls the power, usually. And Abner uh, supported Saul's son instead of supporting David, whom the Lord had anointed. 
And this caused all kinds of problems in the land. This caused all kinds of disruption. And this is my, my first uh, observation. It takes us back to our scripture today is when we don't get in line with the Lord's will and we try to do a workaround or we try to ignore the, the Lord's will or, or we, we try to resist the Lord's will, it ends up causing disruption in the places, in the communities that we live in. Let's reread our scripture today because it'll have further meaning as you see it on the screen. James chapter three, starting with verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done and the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Let me give some commentary here. I've noticed in my life that usually the more gentle I am, the more wise I am. When, when, I, when I act out rashly or harshly or, or quickly without thinking things through, often, not always, but often, I'm not as wise as I wish I would have been. And so gentleness is often a doorway to wisdom. I'm telling you, this scripture is so rich we're not spending a lot of time with it. Now I want to as we're rereading it together. Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So I want you to think about where you work, the school you attend, the team you're part of, the band you play in, uh, the 242 you may be a part of. Anytime that people are gathered, anytime people are organized, when there is envy and where there, where there is selfish ambition, there is all types of disorder. So as Jesus people, we're not supposed to bring envy. We're not supposed to be jealous. We're not supposed to bring selfish ambition. We're supposed to bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit to serve, to see how we can bring Christ and his gifts to a situation. And, and we're carriers of God's presence. We're carriers of God's culture. We're, we're to bring Jesus-like qualities. Well, this did not happen after Saul died. Instead, uh, there were a series of murders. Three murders occurred before David became king of all the people. It was a disruption that would not have been necessary if the leaders had submitted to God's chosen king instead of seeking their own advantage. But because the leaders didn't submit to who God had chosen, then disorder and violence and disruption happened to the whole kingdom. So here's the last part of our review. What's the first anointing? If you're taking notes, it's in the review. The first anointing is when your anointing is accepted by part of the people. So this was Samuel when Samuel anointed David. And early on, when, when you have a gift, typically only a few people recognize it. That, that's typical. It's not always the case, but typically only a few people recognize it. Often it's a parental uh, a, a parental figure in our life, but I know that doesn't work out for everyone. Not all of us have good relationships with our parents or don't have parents who were, had the ability to, to call out the gifts in our life, but it may have been a teacher. It may have been a coach. It may have been a friend. It may have been a youth pastor, but probably somewhere along the line, someone said, hey, Bobby, you're really good with people. You, 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 you make people feel warm and friendly. You need to be out in that lobby greeting people. Or they may have said, you, you have a great trade. You, you, you are 
great with metal and working with metal and molding metal together. This is something that you can provide for your family. This is something, a career that you can have. And we begin to see that we begin to discover our gifts and, and they come in nuggets and they come in glimpses and they come in, in small experiences and they come in, in, in times when, when we get a certain amount of affirmation. But at this stage, very few people realize it and understand it. Because when we start, we always are going to get better. Now, I, I have to talk about my life because that's the only life I really know about. Uh, I, I know about your life. And so, but I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about my development as a minister, but I don't want you to think that this story is about people being in ministry. I want you to apply it to your life. But I, I started when I first, the very first sermon I preached, I was 13 or 14 and it was to my youth group. And I went to a church called Calvary Temple. And I preached a sermon like in six minutes. It was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So my youth pastor was out of town. Uh, that's before churches started canceling the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then they went on and on. But I preached a sermon and it went like really fast. And youth service got over really over, uh, got over really quick. And some, one of our youth sponsors who was immature and a jerk came up to me and said, hey man, this wasn't a Calvary Temple speed reading contest. I'm like, why would an adult say that or do that, right? But another sponsor pulled me aside. He said, man, that was awesome. He's like, I'm in Bible college and, and you, you preach better than I preached when, in my class that I just took and you're gonna do great things for God and don't be discouraged and don't listen to that jerk. And, and it was, it, it, was, it, was, it was one person saying, hey, this is happening. So not everyone celebrates you at the beginning. Not if everyone knows what you can do. Not everyone discovers. And so God sends Samuels in your life and Samuels pull you out of the, of the shepherd's field and they say, no, you're anointed of the Lord. You're chosen of the Lord. And that's that time where that has to marinate with us. And I preached all about that last week, but let me move on. And here comes the rain, which means I've got to yell over this metal roof with rain on it. But that's all right. We're going to go for it anyway. Second, the second anointing, write it down, is when your anointing is accepted by your people. And this is now when the tribe of Judah, which was the tribe that David was from, said, now David, now that Saul's dead, you're our king. The rest of Israel did not accept him, but Judah did accept him. And let's look at the scripture. This is a second anointing, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4. Then the men of Judah came, and they were anointed. They, there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And so we see here that he was anointed, not king of all the people, but he was king of the people who knew him the best. And this is a parallel for our life. You'll never be able to be everything that God wants you to be if the people who know you best and you're around the most don't believe in you. You have to start, ministry starts in your home. Ministry starts in your home church. Ministry starts with the people who know who you are. You can't wait until one day and say, well, one day when I get that job at that big company downtown Nashville, that's when I'm really going to be a disciplined person. That's when I'm going to dress appropriately for work. That's when I'm going to be punctual. That's when I'm going to have a great attitude towards my overseers. As soon as I get paid a lot, as soon as I have the, the title, as soon as I have 
the corner office or the, the nice laptop if we work remotely now. Uh, wherever we are, just wanted to contextualize that to 2018. Wherever we are, we, we think someday that's when I'm going to assert myself as a leader and be who God wants me to be. But God says, no, you start right now with your tribe, with your family, with your people, with the people who know you best. And if the people who know you best cannot recommend you, you're not ready for advancement from the Lord. You're not. If you're one of those people that every time that you uh, get a new job, you have to conjure up a recommendation from someone who barely even knows you because the people you actually work with think you're a jerk and don't like being around you, then you have some more maturing to do before you're able to advance. This is a kingdom principle that advancement starts the second anointing when the people who we're in community with affirm us and say, this lady, this man is qualified. We know who they are. We've walked with them through adversity. We've been through them with them in the difficult and the hard times, and we can affirm they are ready for what God has for them. This happened in the life of Timothy. Timothy is quite an inspiration to me because of this. I love Paul's testimony. Like Paul has the most amazing conversion ever. I mean, he's the most unlikely person to ever be a Christian and he converted and that's wonderful. And we have a lot of Pauls in here, men and women who were very unlikely to get saved, but you, you have had a massive conversion and we celebrate that with you. And we want to see more of that. We want to see more of that through this church, but I also I'm glad I know about Timothy because Timothy grew up in church and we don't know of a time that he strayed or rebelled. We don't know that Timothy doesn't have a very spectacular testimony. It's a testimony of faithfulness. It's a testimony of his mother and grandmother who invested into his life. It's a testimony of a good reputation. And God opened great doors for Timothy by his, through his mentorship from Paul. That started in a local church. It started because Timothy's gift flourished in a local church of believers. It, it, it started because Timothy had a reputation. Look at Acts chapter 16, starting with, with verse 1. Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. Now here's the key verse, verse 2. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. The reason Paul took Timothy is because the people at the local churches that Timothy was involved with spoke highly of him. We build our reputation with our community. We develop ourselves with the people who know us the best. We develop ourselves with people who, who can watch our lifestyle and watch who we are. And they're able then to say, yes, this person is someone you can count on. Yes, this, this person is someone who is dependable. Yes, this is someone that we can put our stamp of approval on. And David moved from the shepherd's field to the king of Judah because his home tribe and his home family believed in him. Here's the third anointing. The third anointing is your anointing is recognized by all. And it takes... It takes a process to get there. There's a reason why God needed David to stay in the shepherd's field. There's a reason why only Judah recognized David. There was a process 
that he had to attain. It was, sometimes it was because the people weren't ready and sometimes it was maybe because the leader was not ready. But 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron in the Lord's presence. And they anointed David king over Israel. From this day forward, David ruled 33 years. And if you include the seven years that he ruled Judah also, that was 40 years that David ruled. He started with Samuel anointing him. Then it went to Judah anointing him with the second anointing. And then all of Israel anointed him the third time. All right, so here we go. Here's a question. What does this mean to me? Why does this matter? Well, I want to give you some closing principles that I hope encourages you to, to not give up on your call, to not stop at the first anointing, to not stop at the second anointing, but to wait to the full fruition of God's will for your life. Here's the first thing. Every anointing or assignment has unique challenges and great opportunity. This is what God does to us often. He gives us a dream. He gives us a vision. He gives us, he gives us an idea. He actually even gives us revelation, like Samuel anointed King, King David, the, the young shepherd, and then we feel forgotten. Then we feel abandoned. Then we feel like he has ignored us. But God, God ha has seen that there may be something in your life that seems impossible to you. It seems like it's not going to happen. But that anointing tells you that it's not going to be just your strength that, that is going to be uh, his presence on your life that's going to help you conquer a mountain you think you can't get over. And in the natural, David had no business. He had no qualifications. He wasn't even the oldest. He wasn't even qualified in his own family to be king. Yet God said, you're going to be king. It seems impossible. It seems like it's not going to happen. It seems like there's no way that can occur. But God anointed David and he said, I'm going to give you what you need. Listen, if we feel like we can accomplish that which God has put on our hearts by ourselves, why do we need the Holy Spirit anyway? You don't need the Holy Spirit's power if you're smart enough, wise enough, clever enough, if you're charismatic enough, if you're, if you're rich enough, if you think you have all that and you can accomplish this by your own power, why do you need the Holy Spirit anyway? And so what God does is he gives us this almost impossible task. And it seems like us that we can't do it. But he says, I don't leave you alone. I'm going to anoint you to accomplish that. And as I was meditating on this, you know, again, trying to get us to think not in terms of being in charge or being the head or being the president. I'm just talking about us living our lives. And I started thinking and praying about uh, those of you who are step parents. And, and I just, I know that we have so many blended families that I don't even know all the blended families. I don't know who's been part of the blended family and who isn't because it's such a common part of, of how our lives are organized now. But I do know this is that I've never been a step parent, but I've talked to enough step parents to know that it's really, really tough and it has to be really, really hard. And I know this, I have three children that I love and just like I irritate them, they irritate the fire out of me. And we only get angry at the people we really love, right? See, I want to impress you guys, so I try not to get angry with you. But I know my family's going to love me forever, so we tend to 
become most angry with the people we love. So within the home dynamics, that's the great test of our faith. It is. How we live out the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our home is the test of our faith. And so with my, my three children whom I love so much, I just sometimes, rarely, think, where did these kids come from? I mean, how, how, how could they think that way or how could they act that way? And I can only imagine the additional challenge if, if you're in a situation as a step-parent. But I want to tell you this, is God is going to anoint you to be a step-parent. If he's called you to that family, if he's called you to those children, if he's called you to show love, what you cannot do in the natural, you will be able to do in the supernatural. And so if the stinky sandals that have been left underneath the dining room table and have not made their way to the closet irritate you and drive you crazy, God's going to anoint you to deal with it in a gentle, wise way. Hey, I'm prophesying to some people that right now, huh? Maybe to myself too. He's going to anoint you to handle that situation with grace and tact and love and wisdom how to relate to each person in your family. Because each person in your family, the key to their heart is unique. You cannot relate to every person the same way because people respond differently. So we have to ask God, God, anoint me to be a stepmother, stepfather. Anoint me to be a sibling. Anoint me to be under authority. God, help me. Help me, Lord, to think through what I say, how I say it, when I say it, and what seems impossible. You know, that they would say, family therapists would say, you know, blended families don't work. And there's, there's all kinds of statistics. This is what the world says is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I know it's going to take work and it's going to take grace and it's going to take prayer. And it's going to take a lot of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that blended families, they find themselves in a situation they didn't expect. I believe that the anointing can come and can make that which is not ideal make Make it great. God's grace can be on that. And he will anoint you to be a family member. He gives you grace for what you need today. Here's number two. God is qualifying us for the next anointing. This is what I've learned from David's three anointings. God is qualifying us for the next assignment. He's qualifying us for the next promotion. He's qualifying us, listen to this, for the next demotion. How many know that in the kingdom of God, sometimes what appears to be a demotion is part of God's plan to position us to further kingdom work. This is, and God has to give us a lot of grace for that. God is positioning us for kingdom work to do his work and to do his plan. And when you have a dream, it's not your dream anyway. You've given everything to God. You said, God, I've given you my life. I've given you my future. I've given you my plans. But part of that is I've given you my future dreams. So every dream you have belongs to the Lord. This week during devotions, I ran across a scripture. I was reading in in Psalm 105, and this psalm was declaring the greatness of God, and it's reviewing some of Israel's history. And here's a great scripture. This is speaking to me so much. Out of the, the New Living Translation, it says, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, 
the Lord tested Joseph's character. Now, I'm not going to explain all that Joseph went through because I'm preaching on David right now. But sometime in the next three years, I'll be preaching on Joseph again. And I don't want to wait until that day to share this verse because it's so good. So if you don't know about Joseph, he went through a lot of bad stuff and he was forgotten in the prison, in the pit. And the Lord reminds us that in those times that the Lord was testing Joseph's character until the time came to fulfill his dreams. I want to I encourage you through our brother Joseph, through our brother David, that God is qualifying you for the next step. He's qualifying you for the next anointing. He may be testing you today, and that test may be severe, and that test may be disappointing, and that test may feel like you're isolated, and that test may not be what you expected, but God is qualifying you for the next anointing, and he wants you to be faithful today to prepare you for tomorrow. Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. Jesus knows what's up there, doesn't he, huh? He knows it's the little stuff. It's the little things. Man, it's how we respond. It's the, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We, find that, we found that out in Song of Solomon. It's the little ways. It's the little attitudes, the tones of voices, the choice of words. It's the glances. It's the looks. It's all the little stuff that begins to destroy the work of God when we don't submit it to God. But when we're faithful in the days we're unnoticed, when we're faithful in the days when we're not recognized, if we're faithful in the days when no one knows who we are, then maybe if God needs us to be king, if God needs us to, to be a prophet, if God needs us to be a leader, if God needs to advance us, then we're prepared for that advancement. And I want to remind you today that God notices you. Some of you feel like you're not noticed. Some of you feel like you're overlooked. God will repay you. If you're not getting uh, the recognition you think you should have got, if people who are important to you are overlooking what you've done, if people just don't understand the sacrifice and the contribution that you've given, our our God has not overlooked one thing you've done. And the Lord gave me the scripture this morning, and I, and I believe this is more than me just sharing the scripture. This particular scripture, I believe, is the word of the Lord for somebody here, probably several of you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. This is about to change your life forever. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Guys, listen, the Lord is watching from heaven and every bit of sacrifice. Paul Jackson, no one in this church besides your wife knows how much you give to this church. The Lord sees everything, everything you do. And the Lord will repay. The Lord will repay. He will repay in ways that man cannot repay. He will take account of where, what you've done and how you've served. Our God is a just God. Our God doesn't let things uh, get away. He knows exactly where we are, what we need, and when we need it. He's a just God. And our brother David encourages us today that God is just us. Here's the last thing, number three. God has us in the right anointing for the right season. He's given us exactly what we need for the task he's given us today. He's given us exactly the, the, the gifts we need to accomplish the things he has put on our hearts. My first job as a pastor was in Paola, Kansas. 
as a children's pastor. I was going to college in, in, in the Kansas City suburbs south of Kansas City, and uh, a guy a few years older than me I had been in youth group with, he was a youth pastor at a church in Paola, Kansas. He tracked down my number. He called me. He said, Aaron, I hear that you're not far from our church. I said, yeah, that's true. He said, guess what? You're our new children's pastor. <laughs> because he was, respons- he was not a prophet. He was responsible for children's ministry, and he didn't want to do it anymore. Sometimes God just works that way too, right? So the church paid me $25 a week to, to, to drive and to do a children's service. And that covered my gas. And I ran a children's ministry with a microphone and a bag of candy. Not the best for child development theory here. But hey, I'd throw the candy to the kids and I'd hype them up. Then I'd settle them down. Then I'd hype them up again and give them back to their parents, okay? And it was a beautiful time. I was 19 at the time. And God's grace was there for me to be at that church. And God's grace was there for me to be with those kids and to work with those families. And, you know, I didn't have a lot to give as far as maturity-wise. I didn't have a lot to give as far as understanding child development. And I didn't develop a sophisticated children's team, which I would now if I was a children's pastor. But God gave me grace for those kids. And I loved those kids with all that I had. And that church would be back. And he gave grace for that moment. And see, it's not God's will for me to be children's pastor anymore, right? I say, amen. If you see me around kids, you know that's, not, that's true. I'm just joking. I love, I love talking to kids. Most important thing to be a children's pastor is to learn kids' names, by the way. If you learn kids' names, you'll love their hearts. You'll, 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 you'll win their hearts. But he's given a new grace now. So whatever season you're in, God's going to give you what you need for that season and for that calling, for what he wants to do. I, I occasionally, and it's pretty rare now, speak at other churches. I mean, just maybe two or three times a year at the most, sometimes once a year. And, and, and I'm one of those, I like speaking at other churches because I like the challenge of it. I like the challenge of trying to win, win the crowd and deliver a word to a new church and all that kind of stuff. But man, it's not the same as preaching here. It just isn't. It just isn't. I mean, I, I've preached at a couple of churches, uh, you know, that have been called the fastest growing churches in the world, not the world, but in America, because of relationships I had with the senior pastor. And it was fun and exciting and good, and I enjoyed it, and, and the Lord used it. But it's not the same as preaching to you guys. Why? Because God's anointed me to preach to here. He's anointed, me to, he's anointed me to teach here. So, don't, what has God called you to do in your family, at your job, in your ministry assignment? Man, let these words encourage you. Let's live fully in the moment today, knowing God is setting all things together. If, he's, if, he, if, you're, a, if you're a homeschool teacher right now, do it with all that's within you, with all that's within your heart. And if you don't like your job right now, you get there earlier, you stay there longer, and you work there harder because Satan's wanting to trip you up and Satan's wanting to stop you, but God's going to anoint you to prepare you for the next job. I just say that as encouragement, not to get on to you, not to, not, not to make you feel bad. I'm fortunate enough, I love my job, and I understand that, that it can be very uh, debilitating when, when you're unhappy professionally. 
but I hope those words encourage you guys. Come on, God hasn't, he, he has, hasn't forgotten you in the shepherd's field. He hasn't forgotten you in the pit. Our God knows where you're at and he knows where you're going and he's gonna give you everything between now and then, between point A and B. He's gonna be with you every moment of the way. Can you say amen? That makes me feel better that you said amen. All right, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Father, I thank you for an increase in this service, Lord. I thank you this 1045 service, God. You're going to increase the anointing. You're going to increase the presence, God. You're going to increase, Lord, the attendees here, God. I thank you, Lord, that there's going to come a day where every seat is going to be full at 1045. Did you hear me pray that? Can you pray that with me? Can you believe that? Do we want to believe God for the same, or do we want to believe God for more of what he wants, more of his presence, more of his anointing, more of his glory? And the Lord wants every seat to be full in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for those who are outside the kingdom of God, those who are lost, those who have no capacity to include God in their life. God, we pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would bring them in and you would help us to bring them in. Lord, thank you for anointing Alpha. We thank you for Holy Trinity Brompton and the leadership of that church in London and how they developed this program because they wanted to connect with people outside of God's family. And Lord, we pray that that same assignment that you started at HTB, that you would bring to CIL, that in the name of Jesus, we would not be a church that would be satisfied with the status quo. We wouldn't be satisfied with just being in relationship with each other. But God, we would get in relationship with people who need to come to know you. God, we pray that from the north, the south, the east, the west, all points in between, those you have called to the kingdom of God through this church, we pray that nothing that the enemy does, nothing that we fail to do would keep kingdom potential to happen in this church. We declare that through the 1045 service, Lord, you're going to bring a revival, a renewal. Lord, we're going to pray for an explosion of praise in this place. I speak it over these people, God. I pray for a stirring, that the stirring begins to come deep in our souls, God, that we begin to have anticipation for what the Lord has done, that we begin to do kingdom business and that we will not be complacent in the house of God. You said, Lord, the woe to those who are complacent in Zion. And Lord, I pray that we would not be complacent in the house of God, but Lord, you would give us passion for the things that you are passionate about. And we thank you and we praise you for that. We love you. We thank you for the table that you've given us, Lord. You've given us this table of the Lord, which extends from this place to the whole body of Christ that extends down to every generation of God's people of all times and all places that you've called, Lord.